Hello, Element City Church. How's it going? Yeah, I like that. Some cheers. It is great to have you guys here with us tonight. Uh, whether you are in person or online, we are uh, just loving seeing you guys and just being able to worship with you. I hope you've had a great Sunday so far. Uh, before we get started, we just have a couple announcements that I want to share with you guys. Um, if you guys are um, new, we have the 10-minute party after service that's right in the back. Uh, also, we have a connection card that you can fill out on the app, which you could download on your phone, which also has a bunch of information about elements. You could get uh, sermon notes on there. You could get events. You could get a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, we are also looking for some volunteers. If you guys want to volunteer for the connection team, uh, we could get you in once a month, just greeting people, meeting people, saying, hey, how they're going, that kind of stuff. Uh, also for kids, if you want to serve once a month there, we're always looking for some volunteers for that stuff. Uh, production team, safety team, uh, pretty much all around the house we're looking for some volunteers. So whatever you are good at, we would love to just be able to have you fit somewhere. Um, we also have a church of the week. It's Good News Community Church, uh, and their pastor there is Pastor Jeff. Uh, so we will be praying for them in just a second. Um, yeah, I, I think that's it. So yeah, we'll pray for them and we'll just open the service. So Father, I just thank you for the Good News uh, Community Church and for Pastor Jeff. I play, pray that you bless their ministry, uh, that you bless what it is that they're doing, their, um, their community, their volunteers, their people, their uh, lives, and that you just uh, show them their love abundantly, that you love on them uh, just in a huge way, Father. And that you bless their weeks, you bless our weeks, uh, and we thank you for tonight. Amen. I love you, Matt. I love you. All right, church. Everybody, stand up with us. Here we go.
church we thank you for each other for the unity we have in your name Jesus we thank you God and we pray all these things in your beautiful and glorious name amen you may be seated amen I know I'm a little bit biased but uh, I just think we have such a fantastic worship team that spends so much time yep we spend so much time each week preparing uh, to lead us in worship and to just really set the stage. So uh, it's also a blessing to have a team that has multiple leaders on it. So that frees me up on nights like tonight where I can get up and uh, get to share a little bit of my heart and uh, a little bit uh, from my perspective into God's word. So uh, we're continuing in our series through Ephesians tonight, uh, the series called Strengthen. So uh, I just want to start by asking a question. Have you ever heard this statement that reading the Bible... It's a lot like reading other people's mail. And I don't mean by that that reading the Bible is like a felony. It is in some countries. Fortunately, it's not here. But what I mean by that is when we read the Bible, we're reading a book of letters, uh, poems, stories, historical narrative. We're reading stuff that wasn't actually written to us, if you think about it. It was written to a specific group of people with a specific purpose. And when we come to scripture, it's our responsibility that when we read it, we want to understand what was the original author's intent. What was trying to be communicated to that group of people in time that we can then find truths in and we can apply to ourselves today. And so that's really what this Ephesians series is all about. Is there's a letter that Paul's been writing uh, or has written to the Ephesians. Again, that's a, a city, Ephesus. It was in Asia Minor. is off of a... a off the sea, it's in modern day Turkey. And so he's writing this letter to, to the church in Ephesus and it's all about the church. And I don't know if you know this about Paul, but usually when he was writing his letters, they were very specific. He would be addressing specific issues in many churches. You've got in Corinthians, you've got a church that has really nasty sexual sin going on and he had to write to them and say, cut that out. You cannot be doing that any longer. When he's writing to Colossians, uh, the, the folks in Colossae, there was some heresy that was spreading. And so he needed to stop that. He needed to correct that. But when we get to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians is actually one of the most general letters that Paul's written. And the reason being, he's actually writing to a church the size of 25,000 people, if you can believe that. The church in Ephesus was 25,000 members strong. And so Paul's writing this letter to encourage them saying, this is how, as the body of Christ, you're best able to live out the calling that God has given you. And so when we get to chapter four, where we're at tonight, we're gonna see a turning point here. Because once again, with Paul, he kind of follows a general structure with his letters. He always likes to start in the first half 
by teaching theological truths. So you're gonna see whatever book it is, if the first half, there's gonna be tons of theological truths and themes that are gonna start to make its way out. But the reason he does that is because he understands that when we understand these theological truths, that then allows us to get healthy and practical application that we're capable of actually living out. And so that's the turning point where we find ourselves tonight in Ephesians chapter four. So if you wanna pull out your Bible app, that's where we're gonna be. Uh, If you've got your Bible with you, that's awesome. Uh, You're a person of, that's an antique these days, isn't it? Just like an actual book. Anyway, over the last three weeks, uh, Pastor Jack has covered chapters one through three. And uh, another cool thing about Ephesians is the way that it builds upon itself, it's really important for us to just kind of remember what Jack has shared thus far. So there's two major themes that we've seen. So the first one is identity. Think back to week one. What was the phrase that Jack was uh, saying? It's like Paul's whispering to, to us this phrase. What was it? Does anybody remember? Remember who you are. Paul's just saying, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. It's all about identity. The second thing that we kind of see coming out here is unity. And we saw that in chapter two. The second part of chapter two, it's almost as if Paul understands by starting with our identity, when we're confident enough in who we are and we know who we are in Christ, that then enables us to live a life where we can pursue unity. And that's what the church has been called to. That's what Paul's writing about. And so as we move into chapter four, we start to see uh, the third major theme that comes out in Ephesians. And that's this, it's maturity. So tonight, what I really believe, if we look at this, uh, Paul's laying out a roadmap for us in the, the book of Ephesians, where he shows that when we understand our identity, we're confident enough to live in unity, which then allows the church to grow into maturity. Isn't that really kind of what we all want? I think so. I would hope so. Uh, because as I was preparing my message, I found this article on the Psychology Today website where Dr. Susan Heitler uh, wrote about 10 signs of emotional childishness in adults. Spoiler alert, you're going to cringe at a few of these. So let's just go through those real quickly. Number one, emotional escalations. Has anyone ever worked in retail and seen adults who like to throw temper tantrums when things don't go their way? So a few chuckles. Number two, blaming, always passing fault to others. Three, lying our way out of situations. Four, name-calling. Five, poor impulse control. Six, the need to be the center of attention. Seven, bullying. Eight, budding narcissism, basically making everything about me. Number nine, immature defenses. So basically, if someone attacks you, you realize that the best form of defense is really a good offense, right? So you resort to pretty much everything above this in the list. And then the last one, and I think this one's the tragic one, no ability to see, acknowledge, and learn from past mistakes. It's actually as if I just described probably about 98% of politicians in this country, right? I think we all understand that if we wanna be emotionally mature adults, then that means we need to set aside childish ways. So shouldn't it also hold true that if we wanna be spiritually mature as a church, that we need to leave behind these childish ways as well? Let's see how Paul instructs us to do that in Ephesians. Again, we're in chapter four tonight, starting in verse one. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And so you've heard it said before, anytime we see the word therefore in scripture, we need to know what's before it because whatever's before it's pretty important. So thinking back to last week, how did, how did we end that message? What did Jack share with us? There's this prayer from Paul, a prayer for unity within the church, this beautiful prayer that Christ would dwell within all of us that he would actually take up residence inside our hearts and that as he takes up this residence inside of us, we would then go on to understand and know, remember this, the right, the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of God's love. It's like Paul saying, knowing just how unfathomable God's tremendous love is, knowing that he dwells within you, 
Go live a life that's worthy of the calling that he set before you. Go live a life that's worthy of this love that's captured you. What have you been called to? You've been called to remember who you are. You've been called so that you can, uh, you've been called to live this out in unity. Very simply put, we can say that, and that's easy to say, but how hard is that to actually live it out? It's not easy, is it? And that's why Paul gives us in verse two, three things that we're gonna need that's gonna enable us to do this. So one, we need humility. And I know often we think of humility, what do we think? We think of humiliation, that humility is like, oh, I'm terrible, oh, everyone else is so much better than me. And like we just cower, like when we think about humility, but I don't think that's it at all. I think really humility, it's just having a healthy understanding and a healthy acceptance of the skills that God's given you. And it's also seeing the healthy, uh, having that healthy understanding and acceptance of the skill set that God's given other people. Humility is just understanding that I'm not always the smartest person in the room. And when I'm not, that's okay. I can defer to others and I can trust others to lead out of their skill set. Two, he says, what else do we need? We need gentleness. And we know what this is. It's kind of like meekness, if you've heard that phrase used in scripture before. It's power that's under control. And so I like to think a, a great example of this is water. If you get water and it's just loose, we call that a flood, right? When water just comes out and it can wipe things out. We've seen hurricanes. We've seen tidal waves. How destructive can water be when water's just left to run rampant? And yet, when we control water, when it's directed properly, how refreshing is it to actually sit next to like a stream of waters that just kind of goes by? Or how cleansing is it when you're in the shower, you've got that shower head, you know, one of those rain showers. I don't know what you've got. But still, when you're in the shower, like, oh, it's just, it's great, right? We all know that, especially now it's finally getting a little cold in the morning. It's what, November 15th, and we're just finally getting there. Oh, anyway, 2020. We could rant about it all night. Number three, we need patience. We need the ability to endure. And Paul even gives us that example right away. He says, we need to bear with one another in love. That means that we're going to annoy each other. That's just reality. Something's going to happen where someone's going to tick you off. And it's going to be somebody in this room. But when we're committed to unity, when we're committed to these truths, that means we can tolerate it, right? We understand that iron sharpens iron. Maybe we're sitting in Bible study and someone asks a question and then that person starts speaking up and you're like, are you going to answer? Of course you're going to answer because you always have to answer. And let's just set the timer for five minutes because you're going to, right? Like we all know that, and if you don't know that person, you were that person, by the way. Just, just remember that. So reality is we need that patience. We need that ability to endure with love one another. And so really as I was looking through this chapter, uh, praying about it, studying, what I began to see uh, was just really the way I mentioned earlier, that how Ephesians likes to build upon itself. It's, it's clear to me that Paul has given us these three attributes that we need to hold to because that's what's going to enable us to make the application we need to make. So we're going to skip a little bit farther down into uh, Ephesians 4. We're going to go to verse 11 here. Uh, but we want to keep those attributes in the back of our mind as we go through this. So starting in verse 11, it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So in verse 11 here, Paul's telling us that Jesus has gifted the church with apostles, with prophets, basically with any person who's able to teach the word of God and bring the word of God to us. And have you ever thought about that? Have you ever shared the gospel with somebody? If you have, Jesus says that you're a gift to the church. Have you ever maybe taught your children or taught a friend a passage of scripture and helped them get understanding of what God's word's actually saying? If so... Jesus says that you're a gift to the church. Maybe you've had to preach a sermon. Maybe you've hosted a small group Bible study. I don't know your story, but if you've ever taken God's word and helped it make sense to somebody else, you're a gift to the church that Christ has given all of us. That's pretty rad, isn't it? That's a wonderful responsibility that we all get. 
And why does he give uh, these gifts to the church? Why is he giving people? It's to equip us for the ministry that God's called us to. What does this mean? It means that Bible teachers help us to understand scripture. And as we understand scripture, we learn more about how God has called us to live. Once we understand how we're meant to live, we then understand how to live out the calling that God has given us. And we learn how to use our skills uh, to fit that roadmap that God wants to show us. And we do it all for his glory. But the only way we actually allow ourselves to be equipped is if we approach this with what? Humility. We've gotta have that humility. Remember that it means I'm not the smartest person in the room all the time. And I think we all probably have times in our life where we remember stories where we wish we would have learned that uh, before we had to learn it the hard way, right? I remember my final semester of college. I was a business econ major at U of A, bear down cats, right? Um, and I purposefully kind of mapped out my schedule so that my senior year, my final year, I had three econ capstone courses that were pretty difficult. So I saved two gen ed classes. We're talking 100 level classes that I could wait until that final semester to take just so that I could kind of balance that workload. And so here are my two 100 level classes. One was the history of rock and roll. Easy. The second one was Greek mythology. Now, I'd already taken Greek mythology in high school. My best friend and roommate at the time literally had all the books, like the Iliad, the Aeneid, he had all of it, right? Talked about Greek mythology all the time, piece of cake. So this Greek mythology class in particular, uh, showed up the first day and it's like, you're gonna have a quiz every Friday or a test every Friday. The rest of that, we're not taking attendance, do whatever you want. And I'm just like, sweet, I don't have to ever go to class except for Fridays in this Greek mythology course. So I show up for the first quiz, just walk in, feeling pretty great. I'm like, yeah, I've got this. Uh, there were a few questions that kind of, I was like, I don't remember those. That's really detail oriented, but whatever. So I just kind of made my guesses and then I answered the rest of them, felt all right about it. Uh, cut to the next Monday when the grades posted online. 10%. I got a 10%. Listen, folks, I'm an honor student who didn't even get a B until college, and I got a 10% on a Greek mythology quiz. We're talking senior econ capstone courses that were grading on a curve, and those, they were the hardest tests I'd ever seen. And I scored higher on those tests than I scored on that first Greek mythology quiz. That was literally the worst grade I've ever received in my entire life. It is to my utter shame, that is the worst grade I ever got in my life. The good news was I got to drop one quiz, so guess what happened? I humbled myself, I showed up to class, and I allowed the teacher to teach me. When I embrace humility, when I submit myself to others who know God's word and have something to teach me from it, Verses 12 through 13 tell me that I can then better go out and understand my calling. Which means that I can help build the church to be what the church is meant to be. As I help others understand what their calling is. That's what allows the church to grow toward the maturity that God wants to see us grow into. Isn't it amazing that if we just commit ourselves to this process together, that that's what we get to see and as we embrace this, we're going to begin to leave behind the spiritually childish ways that none of us really want to see in our lives anyway. Paul tells us several signs of spiritual immaturity in verse 14. This is what the Christian Standard Bible says it, or how it says it. It says, then we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. So growing into spiritual maturity means that we're not easily going to be uh, led astray. We're not going to be uh, falling victim to, to being deceived uh, by poor teachers. Instead, we're going to be able to discern. We're going to be able to identify what is actually true. Listen, we all know that society is growing increasingly hostile to any person who wants to live out biblical values these days, right? You're going to hear a lot of arguments, and you're going to continue to hear a lot of arguments as to why maybe you should walk away from your faith or why maybe, you know, this passage in Scripture, eh, that's not really for us today any longer. 
uh, because, you know, obviously it's not relevant to our time and, you know, all these things change. And yet when we humble ourselves in submission to God's word, as we grow into spiritual maturity, we're going to make sure that the outside world isn't able to trick or even bully us into embracing an ungodly and an unbiblical worldview. Verse 15 says, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. And so here's where gentleness and patience start to come into play. But speaking the truth in love. And remember what Jack said last week, God's butt is big, right? The junior high joke. It's always there for a reason. So instead of allowing each other to accept these faulty arguments and these faulty uh, maybe ways of viewing the world, we really uh, need to hold each other accountable with gentleness and correct each other so that we can continue to live, the calling that, uh, live out the calling that God has called us to. One of the ways that I've been kind of learning uh, how to do this better is by asking really good questions. I've been reading lately uh, uh, quite a bit about uh, millennials, about Gen Zers, and as I've been studying those generations, one of the interesting things is, um, and I am a millennial, by the way, so I, I'm hating on myself here, but millennials and Gen Zers especially, they just do not want to be told what to think. If you tell them what to believe, they're just immediately going to dig in their heels and just be like, nope, don't need to do that. Because you told me to do it, I don't have to at all. Right? But consider yourself. Have you ever taken up a position that someone disagreed with? How do you respond when someone disagrees with you? Let's just say maybe it's at work, right? Like you're at work and there's some sort of a problem that you have to come up with a solution for. So you come up with your solution and you're like, oh, this is going to be the greatest thing. This is perfect. And you present it. But maybe it's a flawed position. Let's just pretend for a moment. You didn't quite think it all the way through. I know, it never happens, right? You guys are perfect. I get it. Just pretend. So you present your solution, and what if, because it's flawed, someone responds, that's a stupid idea, and you're stupid, and we're never going to do it, and you should never suggest ideas again because you're dumb. How are you going to respond to that? Right? Like, some people are going to laugh because it's like, that's just, there's no way this just happened. Other people are just going to be super offended, but the reality is no matter how that's said, if someone just dismisses you immediately, you're going to dig in your heels. Do you know why I know this? Because that's how your brain is wired to do exactly. It's wired to respond in that way. That when we're presented with information that we don't believe, that we're just going to, nope, nope, all the defenses are up. But what if that same person, instead of just calling you dumb, what if they stop for a moment and say, that's an interesting idea. Let's say that we implement the idea, but X, Y, and Z occurs. So when that happens, when we respond in this way, what's going to be the impact to that? They start to lead you down a path to where you're starting to uncover the layers yourself, and then maybe you're going to realize too, oops, yeah, that's right. That, that's not quite going to work. And because of that, whatever idea finally gets settled upon, because you've got a group of people who are willing to work that out together and are committed to that, it's going to be all the better. Isn't it? Because you're able to think through the flaws. You're able to see where there's weaknesses and you're able to strengthen the idea so that when you present it, it's the best idea it possibly can be. That's the church. That's what God has called us to be. That's how God has called us to live this out together. You see, when we use gentleness, when we're patient enough to ask good questions, we're able to lead people back to truth. And people are much more likely to respond positively when you let them see something on their own. Once they see it, you can work together to find the best way to walk out this journey toward maturity. And so while gentleness is what draws others in, it's the patience that really allows us to walk this journey out together. It allows us to walk a path really of restoration, if you think about it. We bear with others in love in such a way that we're able to bring them back to where God wants to be. But the reason it requires patience is because it doesn't happen immediately, does it? And the thing that we often fail to remember is the longer someone's been off of a path, the longer it takes to get back to the path, right? But that's how we all grow into maturity. We do it all individually, and yet somehow we do it all together. 
That's one of the great beauties of the church. When Christ is the head, when he's the one that we look to for leadership, when we humbly submit ourselves to those who help us understand God's will and God's word, when we gently, when we patiently walk alongside those who may be struggling to live these parts out, we're able to see the church grow into the maturity that God desires her to grow into. That's what we see at the end of the text here. Starting in verse 15, it says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It's kind of a whole sermon by itself, isn't it? This idea that each part of the body is meant to work together properly. And it really does beg the question, what role do you have to play in the church? Here's where it gets challenging because we have to be honest with ourselves. The reality is we're navigating a difficult season as a church right now. If we just look at 2020 as a whole, starting in March, we had to abandon meeting in person as pretty much the whole country started to go into lockdown. And yeah, we've come out of that in September. We've been able to meet together. But in the midst of all of that, things were pretty rough, weren't they? Our former lead pastor tragically passed away suddenly, very unexpectedly. There was kind of a season of tension after that as we were trying to figure out what leadership in the church was going to look like moving forward. And really only about a month ago did we finally get some firm direction on what the permanent solution was going to be with that. But if you look around the room, if for any of you who were here a year ago, there's a lot less people in this room tonight than there were a year ago, aren't there? That's not just because of COVID-19, sadly. We need you. Your church needs you. You, yes, you, all of you, all of us, we have a role to play in the body of Christ. And as we live that out, we can take confidence and strength knowing that that's what's gonna allow our church to grow into the maturity that God desires. It's a beautiful thing to be a part of a community that doesn't just embrace these truths, but actually embodies these truths. How would you like to be a part of a group of people that were committed to walking this out in humility? Committed to allowing others to lead out of their strengths? Committed to allowing you to step up and take charge in an area where your leadership skills are strong. Committed to gently asking you questions to help you think through maybe difficult decisions or maybe to, to help guide you out of dark times. Committed to patiently coming alongside you when you need others to help you get back onto the path that you know Jesus has called you to walk. Is that not a church that we all wanna be a part of? Guess what? That church doesn't build itself. Element City Church will never fully be that type of a church unless all of us who are here tonight and all of you who are at home who might be streaming right now, it happens when we commit ourselves individually to say, I wanna be a part of that church and I want to live it out myself. I'm gonna show others what that looks like. Because if this doesn't happen, it's not just gonna be Jack's fault or my fault. It's gonna be all of our faults because we all have to be willing to play the role that God has called us to play. And yet when we do that, uh, we get to follow that roadmap to see our identity strengthened. We get to see unity maintained in the church. And then we get to see maturity develop as a result of all of that. In music, uh, there's this term called unison. And so if uh, anyone who's a singer, you've probably heard this term before. Uh, I know we've got one choir director in the room who knows very well what unison is. So whenever we sing all the same notes together, that's called unison. It's pretty much during worship what you hear as you're all singing the same note. 
it, it, the root for that word unison. It's also the same root word for unity. Hopefully that makes sense. So I've got a, a, an example of a clip of a group singing in unison. Let's listen to that. The water so much so long thee. Unison. It's pretty. It's beautiful, right? Sounds good. If we as a church are all moving together in the same direction, if we're moving in unity, that's a beautiful thing. But not of us, not all of us are gifted to do exactly the same thing, are we? In fact, it'd probably be weird if we were all gifted to be accountants. Our finances would be in order. Anything dealing with numbers and reports would be great. But if other people were to walk in and see just a whole bunch of accountants doing church together, you'd probably be like, that's a pretty one-dimensional church, wouldn't you think? Might have some awkward social skills too. Sorry, Suzanne. Just kidding. Just kidding. Love you. Anywho. There's another musical term that I think better describes what it is that God's looking for. uh, And that's this idea of harmony. Instead of every person in the choir singing the exact same thing together, each person in the choir understands the strengths and the tonal qualities of their voice. And so they know where they can sing certain notes very strongly, and they learn their part based on what they're good at singing. And so let's take a a listen to what harmony sounds like. Unison's pretty great. But harmony's much better, isn't it? You can say yes, that's okay. You don't have to be quiet. It's because harmony, everyone's able to trust the person that's next to them and know that they know their role, they know their part, they're confident enough to lead out of the part that they're, they're meant to be singing. And I can tell you how harmony doesn't happen in a church. Warren Wearsby said this. He said, gifts are not toys to play with. They're tools to build with. And if they're not used in love, they become weapons to fight with. If we start using our gifts for our own selfish reasons, and it no longer becomes about building the body, but rather it's just about uh, me collecting my own group of followers and people Uh, to see how great of a leader I am and how wonderful of a person I am and I'm so godly and I'm so wise and you should hear all of that. I'm no longer about Jesus. I'm not about building Christ's church. I'm just about building up myself. And if we're no longer pointing people to Jesus, what, what are we really doing? Remember the definition of, or some of those examples of of emotional immaturity at the beginning, the childishness, that's the very definition of budding narcissism. It's immature. But going back to this roadmap that we talk about tonight, we get to experiencing living in, we get to experience living in harmony uh, if we follow the steps that Paul's laid out for us. And so in humility, let's commit ourselves to learning from God's word and the teachers that God's given us to understand it. In gentleness and in patience, Let's walk alongside each other to discover how we each are uniquely gifted. Let's help correct each other when we get it wrong. And notice I said when, because it's going to happen. We're going to mess it up. But as we begin to identify each other's strengths and their abilities, let's commit ourselves to playing the part that God has designed us to play so that we can build Element City Church into the place that God wants it to be. We need you. The people who are sitting next to you, they need you. The people who are streaming at home, they need you. Element City Church needs you if we're going to grow into the maturity that God desires for all of us. We're all at different points on this journey. Some of us are farther ahead than others, and that's okay. Some of us have had a head start. But we're there to help everyone else move forward in this journey together so that we can become the bride of Christ that God has always intended us to be. And if we each commit ourselves to walking this out, I guarantee you, Element City Church is going to thrive.
And we may not see an explosion in numbers, but it's not about the numbers, is it? What we will see is depth. We're going to see all of us growing in maturity, understanding what it is God has called us to. So let's pray. Sometimes we hear a message like this and there's motivation in the moment to want to do something, but you may not quite know what that next step is going to look like. That's okay. As we pray, um, in fact, let's just pray. God, I, I ask that right now your Holy Spirit would be at work in people's hearts. I pray that uh, people wouldn't just sit here feeling a, a sense of conviction or challenge, but God, that people would have a spirit of courage to begin to seek out what the next step is going to look like. And so maybe for you, uh, you hear the, the, the three attributes at the beginning. Maybe it's humility, maybe it's gentleness, maybe it's patience. I don't know what it is. What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? In one of those areas, do you need to grow so that you can help this church grow into the maturity that she should grow into. Maybe it's, uh, you've been coming to Elements for a while. You've made this your church home, uh, but you haven't quite found a place to fit in or to serve. Maybe you haven't found a small group Bible study to be a part of. Maybe you just haven't even really engaged in the community at all. Maybe that's the next step. But just in this moment, God, I just ask that you would lay it on every single person's heart. What is it you want us to do? We know that you're calling us to live a life worthy of the calling you've given us. We know it's going to take humility. It's going to take patience. It's going to take gentleness. It's going to take each other. But what is something tangible, Lord, that each person in this room can do to go deeper in this community? Whether that be committing to being on our connection team, whether that be committing to serve in e-kids, whether it be stepping up with a musical ability to help in worship, whether it's just a willingness to learn how to run sound or to run lyrics. Maybe it's to host a small group Bible study. Maybe it's just to gather people together in fellowship. Whatever it is, God, you've uniquely gifted and you've uniquely called every person in this room for your purposes and for your glory. What a tragic thing it would be, Lord, if any of us were to miss that. So help us dive in right now, God, to your truth, to hear you speak to us to hear how you're calling us, inviting us into something far better. Help us to see, Lord, as we engage in this process that we're only gonna come out of it stronger, more like your son Jesus. And gosh, that's what we all want. So Father, we love you. We thank you for how you're at work. And we just give you permission to continue it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Father, thank you for the new work that you do, the calling of building the church that you've called each one of us to participate in. We're not spectators. We're participants. We don't have to. We get to. And that we get to grow into maturity. Your church gets to grow and shine to put on display to a watching world something that it longs, it longs for. And it doesn't know how to get, doesn't know how to receive. But it's through you, Jesus. And so that's what we pray for tonight. Would you help each of us to take those steps in humility, in gentleness, and in patience that we would grow into maturity, we pray. In Jesus' name. And everyone said.
Amen. Amen. Hey, it is so great to have you here. I love the last verse of this uh, that we, we kind of read together, um, that it's, it's Jesus who makes the whole body fit together. The body is the illustration God uses for the church. Each part does its own special work, meaning you got a part to play, I got a part to play, and we all get to, not have to, we get to, and that we grow as we get to do that. And it helps the other parts grow, that what I contribute, it helps you, and what you contribute helps me, and it helps this movement that is the church, that is the movement of Jesus, so that the whole body is healthy and growing, and listen to this, and full of love. May that be said of us, that we're healthy, and that we're growing, we're helping one another, and that we are filled with love, that everybody who bumps into someone who says, Elements is my home church, that church knows how to love. May that be said of you. May that be said of me. May that be said of us, and that we each have a part to play. So as Lyle challenged you, challenged us, what is that part for you? And maybe you're sitting here, and you're trying to figure out, okay, what can I do? What can I be a part of? How can I help? Um, man, I just want to encourage you. If you got an idea, if God put something on your heart, uh, would you email one of us? We'd love to follow up with you and help you. We've got different teams around here that you can plug into. But if you got a dream and a vision of God's kind of given you, we'd love to talk with you about that, pray into that with you, um, and, and figure out what that is. So just email us. It's, it's real simple. Uh, Jack at elementcitychurch.org. Lyle at elementcitychurch.org. Matthew is the one that really messed it up. He, he kind of did Matthew instead of Matt. But, okay, you could do that. Uh, and you can reach out to us, info at, if you forget all that. Uh, but we'd love to chat with you about that. Uh, if you are brand new here, I met a few of you uh, earlier, and if you're brand new online, I'd love to encourage you again to download the app and maybe fill out the connection card. If you're new in the house, we're going to have a 10-minute party in just about two minutes. I'd love to meet you back there tonight. Uh, if you are a veteran, we didn't get to honor you last week. If you're a veteran, you've served in our military service, would you just, uh, some people are standing, would you just raise your hand? We'd love to honor you. Thank you so much for serving. We celebrate. <clears throat> Veterans Day, obviously, was last Wednesday. And so thank you to all of you who serve with that. Um, and then join us back next week as we continue on in our Ephesians series. So if you're on site, we'd love to have you back. If you're online, tune back in with us. We love you, friends. May God, our Father, may his presence go with you. May the gift and presence of the Holy Spirit empower you this week. And may the love of Jesus surround you and flow from you to everyone you meet. God's best to you, friends. If you're new, I'll meet you back there in a minute. Bless you.